0: Fan is the official sports talk station of the dogs. Hudson Mason. Quick throw. Got it defended in the slot. Touchdown. So let's talk Bulldogs football with former UGA quarterback Hudson Mason. He's
1: Hudson! Hudson. Hudson. Our truest Bulldog reporter, Hudson Mason. You hear him mornings with the locker room six to ten. On the fan, he's kind enough to join us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Huddy, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? Doing awesome. Uh, We have a lot of ground to cover, but I thought, who would know Mike Bobo, his offense, his tendencies, what Georgia now will do transitioning from the Munkin offense although they're going to run the same concepts and schemes and terminology, to Mike Bobo in charge. So what will we, the novice, notice different now with Mike Bobo at the controls? Yeah, that's a great question, but a tough one to answer too because I, I think the immediate
2: answer is it depends on who the quarterback is. It's hard to say exactly and predict exactly what the offense is going to look like without knowing who the quarterback is. If it's Carson Beck, um, maybe it's a little bit more um maybe maybe the passing game looks a little bit more like uh what it did with murray and and maybe with a little bit more like Fromm if it's Gunnar stockton or brock vandegrift maybe there's a few more uh design quarterback runs um Bobo was never a really big design quarterback run and maybe that's because he never had a super uh athletic uh pure dual threat guy um and and Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift seemed to be more athletic than uh than most of the guys that he had so maybe he would become more of uh more of that and and implement more of that in his offense but I think the biggest thing is, is anytime you go through a transition like this and you've had success with the previous offensive coordinator, Kirby is going to want to keep as much consistency as possible, which is why he had, why he brought in Bobo last year. I mean, Kirby's been ahead of this much like Nick Saban has been ahead of this for years now, where you bring in an analyst, you teach them the ropes, you kind of teach them the scheme and the system. And then when it becomes their time to take over, um, they're running the core principles and the core concepts and the verbiage and the communication stays the same, but every offensive coordinator kind of puts their flavor and uh, kind of their personal touch on the offense. So uh, I think it'll still be spread-based with pro-style uh, flavor and pro-style elements. I don't know if you'll see a fullback in the game anymore uh, or a thing like that or maybe a, a five-step drop under center, um, but I think you would want to keep as much the same as possible for these players uh, given the fact that they have really figured it out and had a lot of success in it the past two years.
3: We hear all the time, you know, he the head coach is a meddler, or he, you know, puts his fingers in the pie too much for you know offense or defense, and he's on the other side of the ball. What does that mean? Like if you were Todd Munkin and and Kirby was a meddler, and you got tired, just as an example, or if you were Lane Kiffin and you got tired of Nick Saban, what what does that mean? What are the what are the the, the specifics of that? Hey uh, Bobo, second and eight here. I want you to run the ball. Well, Coach,
2: I I, I want you to run the ball. Um, is
3: that a suggestion or is that we're running
2: the ball here? Yeah, that, that, that's give me your best run. This is not a... <laughs> okay. This you is can a, choose yeah, the run play, but we're right. running the ball. Exactly. Um, and, you know, Rick, Coach Rick was always phenomenal, even as an offensive coach, of staying out of the way. And, and it worked perfect for Coach Bobo. Um, you know, with Kirby's relationship with Bobo, you wonder how that will work. And it seemed like... Uh, Coach Smart had let Munken just do his thing. I mean, we can all remember him just ripping Jim Chaney and Coley uh, up in the box all those times. But you never really saw that much with Munkin. You didn't even see that in year one when the offense really wasn't what it was under Munkin in year two or year three. So uh, I think their relationship and that they're really good friends and uh, that they were in each other's weddings, and their families are great friends. Their dads are high school football coaches in the state of Georgia and good friends. I think that makes it an interesting dynamic, and uh, I can't wait to see uh, if he kind of handles it more like he did with Munkin
1: or if he kind of handles it more like he did with Cheney and Coley. Hudson Mason, our truest Bulldog reporter with Chuck and Chernoff. You hear him in the locker room morning 6 to 10. He's with us on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker line. Honey, this isn't the same, but – The last time I saw this happen on the pro level was Shanahan leaving, and in this case, they went outside the building and brought in Sark, but they kept everything the same otherwise, right? It was like, we're going to run the same stuff, concepts, terminology, we're going to run the Shanahan playbook. As you pointed out, Bobo was here last year, so we had a a keen look at what was happening, but how difficult is that on the coach to work somebody else's terminology, game plan, their playbook all of the above it's so hard and I think it's what made has made Nick
2: Saban's run and his dynasty even more impressive because everybody talks about the the draft picks and the quarterbacks and I think we overlook how many times he's hit on coordinator hires they're basically coming in every two years and whether it was you know Lane Kiffin and Mike Loxley and Brian Dayball and and just one after the other uh they were able to come in and I would love so fascinated to to know how do you handle this because Because it's not easy right somebody's got to learn something different and is it the players that you make learn something different or is it the coach that you make learn something different Um, just purely based on numbers you would think it's a lot easier to teach one guy something new than 30 guys or 40 guys on the offensive side of the ball but and I'll give you a great example of this when Mike Bobo left in 2014 to go to Colorado State, and Mark Richt hired Brian Schottenheimer. He hired Schottenheimer to run Bobo's offense. And he went through spring ball, and he went through summer, and I remember having a conversation with somebody in the building that about halfway through camp, that fall heading into 2015, Brian Schotthammer went to Mark Richt and was like, Coach, I can't do this anymore. I I can't. I have to be – when I call a play in the press box on game day, it has to be able to roll off my tongue. I can't be sitting there thinking about, oh, wait a minute, I call this play or I have called this play X, Y, Z, and you're thinking about, okay, how does this new verbiage – it's got to naturally just roll off your tongue in the middle of the game. And that's what you're asking a coordinator to kind of do. Uh, when you're asking him to learn a whole new system. So that's some of the challenges and some of the things that they'll have to get over, but it's part of it. Somebody's got to learn something new, and Alabama has found a way all these years when they're changing coordinators every two years uh, to, to figure it out. And so uh, when people say, oh, you're just going to run Todd Munkin's system, it's not quite that easy. It's not that quite plug and play. Um, I think you've got your core base principles and your core concepts Uh, And Your base offense, and then from there, it's going to depend on is it Carson Beck, is it Gunnar Stockton, is it Brock Vandegrift, and what your quarterback likes and what his strengths are. And then that's that's how a guy like Mike Bobo has to earn his money based on how he tweaks the offense based on the strength of the quarterback
3: you started in the sec and then went to washington and i guess you had a similar experience hey this is faster and everybody's big and can run um even if it's the hand in the glove everybody has we've immediately said hey baltimore they'll take stetson what is what is ahead for stetson because he's going to be in an nfl camp by either draft pick or free agent what's ahead for him even having started in the sec Hmm. um Obviously, the speed of the game even coming from the SEC, but I think with the biggest thing when
2: you're going from playing a lot to the NFL, and I've talked to other quarterbacks at, other quarterbacks at Georgia that played played a lot longer than I did and started many more games and made the transition, uh, and I've talked to other quarterbacks in general about this, is when you go and you're a middle or late-round draft pick and you're not going to be the number one guy, you may not even be the number two guy, I think the biggest challenge is the mental aspect of not getting any reps. And the fact that you have to be realistic with yourself that at least early on, you're competing for uh, a third string, maybe a practice squad, maybe at the best, a second string spot, and you're not going to get a lot of reps. And for the most of the time, you're going to be taking a ton more mental reps than you are physical reps. And that's hard. It's a weird transition for a college kid like Stetson, who's a three-year starter and has started probably 50 starts in his college career to go from that to standing on the sideline, taking a ton of mental reps. Um, But... That's how you make the team, and, and then you got to work from there. So uh, whether it's preseason and maybe he just gets a couple snaps in the preseason, I don't know, maybe he gets drafted to a, a place where they don't have it. Maybe he goes to Chicago and they don't have a bona fide number two and he competes for the number two spot and wins the job behind Justin Fields immediately. Could be that, or he could go and fight for a practice squad job. So uh, I think that's always the toughest part of when you're talking about a mid-round pick or a late-round pick and a guy who's played a lot of college football making that transition.
1: Honey, one more on Bobo, and and listen, every coach has a strength, right? Todd Munkin, the way it was described, it wasn't going to be for his recruiting. He didn't love that angle of it. He would go on recruiting visits as the closer. Bobo was described as an elite recruiter. Great Mm -hmm. ties with South Georgia, ties around the SEC. That has to get amplified now, right? In which Kirby, if he's going to make the trade— He might not get the same quality of play caller, but you take a step up in the recruiting game, correct? There's no doubt, and Bobo is an absolute hound on the recruiting
2: trail. I think that's why he is another great fit. Um, You know, you just go look at, a lot of the guys that he recruited has ties in the state from South Georgia. I mean, he's got great connections. It just made so much sense. And they were already recruiting at a high level. Uh, he is going to, and I don't mean this as a shot to anybody that I played with or anybody that, and, and some people have said this, and I tend to agree with it, he is going to have more uh, tools in the toolbox to work with. I thought the 2012 team was the most talented offense that Bobo had and but I think top to bottom based on the way that Kirby has recruited um, this will be the most talented team uh, compared to any offense that Bobo had um, and, and, and his from 2007 to 2014 as the offensive coordinator so you know look offense was never a problem under Mark Rick at Georgia defense has never been a problem under Kirby Smart and for those reasons I think it's a great fit and I know so, some Georgia people had some, some pushback about this, and I would just say this to you. If you told me you were getting an offensive coordinator that had produced the number one overall draft pick, had produced the SEC all-time leading passer, and produced the number one scoring offense in school history, I think you would be jumping up and down full of joy to land that guy. If that guy's name was Bob Smith... <laughs> And he had that resume, you wouldn't find a, a Georgia fan out there complaining, but because for some reason, the name Bobo was so polarizing, people uh, apparently have, have, have a hard time understanding why Kirby Smart would make this decision. Uh, and you know, and I would also ask, like for, for, for the others out there, like if you wanted another option, w- what did you want Kirby to go do? Hire Cliff Kingsbury? Buster Faulkner had no SEC play calling experience.
3: Oh, they, what's behind all this <laughs> is if you look at like the last forty jobs that got hired, it's not twenty offensive guys, twenty. De- it's like thirty-two former offensive coordinators and like eight defensive guys. All the good OCs have been hired already. They're all gone as head coaches. Right. Notre Dame just had to promote their tight ends coach
2: because they couldn't find a an offensive coordinator. Yeah. yeah,
3: nobody. Yeah. Yeah, the, so,
2: the calendar was not your friend at this point. No. I mean, Alabama just hired a 31-year-old 30, in uh, Tommy Reese who has a very uneven play-calling resume in his career. It's young, but so uh, I think it. I think it's a great fit, and I can't wait to see what they do together.
1: Hudson, it's always a pleasure, my friend. We will listen Monday morning with the front row from six, or the front row with the locker room. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> with the locker room, six to ten here on the fan. He is our truest Bulldog reporter. Thank you. Hi. Nice guys, see ya. Coming up next, Kang has a conspiracy
3: theory. President Kennedy was doing crystal meth. Is that right? It's hey, so your theory, Chuck. No, that's true. That's not the <gasps> Oh
1: boy. Okay, hey, that was Chuck. Uh Kang has a conspiracy theory he knows isn't true. Cows cannot get herpes. <laughs>
3: That's true. That's a fact.
1: But it makes him happy to talk about it anyway, and he'll talk about it next.
0: The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like.
1: minimum balance
2: required. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction inferior site preparation, or weather, drought, causes, cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.